You got friend zone. I got friend zone hard for three years. Yeah, for three years. So friend zone by her and her dad. Her dad was like, "You'll never date my daughter." Shut <laughs> up. He was cool as a disciple. He was not cool as a son. He's like, no, 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 no. He said, "He said, I know your testimony. <laughs> I know your pastor." He was like, "He was like, no, no." What's up, fam? This is JJ. We have a mini Manto Friday with my boy Will. Will's actually a good friend as well, so it was really fun to sit awkwardly three inches beside him on a couch where Kate usually sits. We usually don't have our guests in person, so it was a treat. And hey, I just want to say, before we jump into the episode, which I think you guys will love, this is maybe one of the most important episodes we've ever done for the men, uh, specifically how we end and what we talk about uh, for Will and the most important thing he ever invested in as a man. I would just say, please, like, I always ask you guys to share, and I mean it out of like a friendly way, if there is an episode to share with a friend and say, I've been putting off asking you to do friendship well, to be intimate and vulnerable with you as a friend, to really go deeper and experience that iron sharpens iron dynamic of true friendship, true biblical friendship. Like if you've been delaying that, like I did for years, just use this episode as maybe the starting point. You guys can talk about your dating life. You guys can talk about friendship. You guys can talk about where you are as far as like your history of friendship and where you've done it well, maybe where you have not done it well. You'll see what I'm talking about with Will and his story and his male friendships, his guy community. So if you are a guy who has struggled to build that really, really awesome, not just like friendship where you guys joke around, you hang around each other, but you guys maybe don't get as vulnerable as you want. Well, let this be the spark for some of those conversations. I sincerely mean that and challenge you. Yes, even you women who listen to these episodes as well, that challenge is extended to you guys. Uh, love you guys. I hope you enjoyed the episode as much as I did and have a great weekend, fam. What's up, fam? I'm here with your boy, Will. What's going on, everybody? What's good, Will? Heart of dating, baby. That's so, what's going on, bro. Hey, I did my homework. <laughs> I know everything about you. Tell me, bro. Remind me. Okay. So fun fact. I didn't even know this. I was reading like your bio. I was like, I don't, I didn't even know this about Will. So I guess we weren't that good of friends <laughs> till now, but you were born and raised in Seoul. Born and raised in Seoul, South Korea until I was 16. Yeah. 15 until I was 15. Ah, uh, okay. Online says 16. 16 is when I got saved. Okay. 15, <laughs> 15, you got in trouble. 15, I did get it. Okay, bro. Yeah. What's up, dog? And you moved to Illinois. I moved to Illinois, Champaign-Urbana. Yeah. Go, uh, what's their mascot again? U of I? Illini. Fighting Illini. Fighting Illini, U of I, yeah. So you didn't go to... I didn't go to college there. I just, my brother was at U of I. Okay. So I was in the middle, January of my sophomore year, I moved in with my brother. Abruptly. While he was at college. He was in university. He was Oh, a, when you were a teenager, you I was moved? A sophomore, sophomore. Second semester of sophomore year. I ran I I'm a, I ran away from Korea. <laughs> Dude, that's crazy. Yeah. Did you get chipped off or did you decide to go? I long story short, um big troublemaker, sold sold drugs. Friends got caught with the drugs that I provided and word got to me that I was getting set up and I ran away. No way. Yeah. 
Dude, I, that, I had no idea. Yeah. So you got out of town literally before you got arrested. Yeah, bought a ticket. It's a long story, but bought a ticket. Mom and I left Korea. Dad stayed because he had to work, continue working. Yeah. And it was either Alaska or U of I, baby. <laughs> 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 no. My parents just wanted me to get away from anything that remotely looked like a city or might have trouble. So I remember having a talk like, do you want to go to Alaska what? or do you want to move in with your brother? What um, a decision to make at 16. <laughs> You want to go to the middle of Illinois? I know, bro. Or Alaska? They're not too different from one another. Well, <laughs> Champaign Urbana is like pretty, like middle of nowhere. Oh it's yeah, just like all you smell is like manure, cow manure. Dude, I've been cornfields. Yeah. Uh, I went one time when the Cubs were in the World Series okay. in college. We visited, and I wore Dodger gear to <laughs> the bar to piss everybody off, and I made the front page of their newspaper. Did you? At, yeah, at, at Champaign Urbana. Yeah, yeah, right before I got jumped. Because, no, <laughs> yeah, U of I is like a, I mean, Champaign-Urbana is like a university town. So, Dude, I'm like mind-blowing. And then you became a youth pastor two years after that. When I was 18, yeah. So I got, you know, so I, I didn't grow up in church, but I, so my dad was a nominal Christian. Mom was a Buddhist. So we would visit church, like, growing up. So, wow. So if I had to identify, I identified as a Christian, but a lot of doubts, a lot of questions. So I didn't start when I moved to the States, I really started going to church because my mom missed kind of like that Korean immigrant community and culture. So she mm -hmm. started to go to a Korean immigrant church. So I yes. started going to church when I moved to Champaign-Urbana. Then I got saved. Like I had a, like a very, one of those stories. I mean, no, you can talk about it. I mean, it was... I February 8, 2006. I remember the date because it was an NBA dunk contest. It was a big day. Big day, baby. And then um, my mom forced me to go to church. The elder called my mom multiple times. And at the time, my mom wasn't even still a Christian. She didn't even identify as a Christian, but we just started going for Korean food, Korean culture, Korean mm -hmm. language, culture, I mean, community. So I'm forced to go to church that night. And I just, I had one of those encounters, dude. I was in the back row, came late. The pastor was preaching and that guest, it was a guest speaker. And that guest speaker is now my father-in-law. I know, can't make this up, bro. So, Crazy. I know, it was wild, dude. But he guest spoke, preached the gospel. And at the end of the service, I was just, I just, well, I was crying without exaggeration, probably for like an hour and a half, two hours constantly. Like, cause I was just under the conviction of my sins. I felt his love. And then... I became a youth pastor two years after that, bro. And now you got three kids. Three kids. With that pastor's daughter. That, yeah. <laughs> she never wanted to marry a pastor. So I actually pursued her for two and a half years. Uh, and she rejected me for two and a half years, like straight. And her biggest hindrance was I never want to marry a pastor. Even though youth pastors aren't pastors, right? No, exactly. I'm kidding. <laughs> she was just like, she was like, uh, I've been about it. I've been around it. I've yeah. been a PK my whole life. So Andrea will always say she was attracted to me, but she was, I've never. So I started pursuing her when I was 18. Actually, the same month I became a youth pastor was like the month I told her that I liked her, <laughs> like straight up. And the, but we didn't start she dating. She's like, if only you didn't just. I know, right? But we didn't start dating until we were 21. Okay, so friends, you got friend zone. I got friend zone hard. For three years. Yeah, for three years. So friend just, zone by her and her dad. Her dad was like, you'll never date my daughter. Shut up. <laughs> he was cool as a disciple. He was not cool as a son He's like, no, 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 no. He said, he said, I know your testimony. <laughs> I know your past. So he was like, he was like, no, no. So he discipled you? 
he spiritual father, disciple, mentored everything I know about ministry and leadership came from him. Dang, so that so legit that three years of eighteen twenty one, I'm guessing lots of stuff happened. Like you grew up a lot. Yeah, yeah, of course. Pastoring when you're a college, I was a college student. I was eighteen. My youth students were like one year younger than me, <laughs> yeah. and I was a bio. I transferred to Biola my sophomore year, so I was going to Biola University. Oh, I didn't know you went to Biola. I went. To okay, Biola. so that's how you found yourself in OC. Exactly. So okay. I was in Champaign-Urbana. I went to Trinity, which is a Bible school in Deerfield, Illinois, my yep. freshman year. But I got hired the summer going into my sophomore year as a youth pastor here. Okay. So I transferred and moved to California because of the, the, the ministry position. Amazing. And so these kids are asking you, like, what are we doing? And you're like, I don't know. Exactly. Like, I- no, bro. <laughs> True story. The youth group was like, at that time, anywhere from eight to 12 kids, depending on if one family didn't come. <laughs> I took them to a revival night, right? Because, you know, those youth groups have like praise nights, revival you nights. You drive like the white van? Yeah, 12 passenger van. I drove these kids to like a like a local church's praise night, like a mega church. I vividly remember the pastor said, let's open up to the book of Nehemiah, right? And my youth kids are sitting next to me and I couldn't find it. My, I'd just been saved like, like a year and a half ago. Yeah. I can't find it. I'm like nervous. My youth student, Ellis, she she says, you don't know where the book of Nehemiah no is. No way. And she chuckles. She takes the Bible from me, opens it, and gives it back to me. She definitely did like a wanna. Like, you know. <laughs> she was very like, I remember the imposter syndrome, the like, man, I don't know what I'm doing. Why am I even a youth pastor? God, like this is a mistake. Stuff like that happened all the time, bro. I mean, what like a, but what a humbling, amazing way to start. <laughs> I guess <laughs> like, like no I mean just think about like that rocket ship of experience yeah, and maturity bro. like lots of us have to grow yeah. but sometimes I would assume like you find yourself in an accelerated season yeah, of growth absolutely. like you put yourself in a situation where you had to grow or else absolutely. you're gonna get fired you swim or drown that, yeah. was, that was definitely my experience okay yeah. so today um we'll talk more about like singleness mm-hmm. like your story so did you guys get engaged and at 21 or you guys started dating at we 21 we got and engaged then? At, we got married 24 turning 25 okay so we were 24 it was april i turned 25 in um uh, that June. So when people are criticizing the pastors who got married at youth camp at 19 you can kind of Say so, yeah, like I agree. No, we, like- <laughs> we, we 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 dated ugh, like three and a half years, engaged a year, year and a half. Ish. Yeah, yeah. So we were together for some time before we got married. So, but okay, and this is just actually a side question, not even on the on the notes. Uh, I notice that a lot of times singles prefer to hear from singles who know what the wait is like. Of course, you still think though. Obviously, there's a lot of credit and experience from someone who's married, even though they might have been married, you know, 10, 20 years and dating and engaged at 21, right? Like your fellow ministers and pastors, Mm -hmm. there's still tons of value from listening to them talking about singleness and dating. Well, I think different individuals have different angles and maybe different perspectives to add value, right? For Mm -hmm. example, yeah, I didn't. I wasn't single for an extended period of time, like someone maybe in their thirties or forties right now. Mm -hmm. So maybe I I may not be able to relate on that level. Right. But I've 
on another level, there are certain things I think I did do prior to and or I regret that I wish I did more of before I got married or before I started seeing my wife. So I really feel like it's all about eating the meat and throwing out the bones, right? I might not on some empathetic level or someone listening may be able to feel understood in certain areas of the struggles. Yes. But there may be other areas where, oh yeah, I didn't think about this way. I could learn from this angle. Yes. I didn't even consider that, right? So right. I think, so like the lack of experience of that long 20 year waiting yeah. doesn't necessarily disqualify yeah, someone from teaching, which I think most everybody has that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, would you just call it like humility to be able to learn from someone who maybe they don't look like you, they yeah. don't have the same experience as you, of but course. they have wisdom in teaching. Of course. So out of humility, you of just course. say. And I also feel like, at least when I was single, I learned a lot, not just from single people, but I learned from observing healthy married people. Yes. Because it gives me an image or a picture of what I hope I can be in the future, right? Yeah. So even though I might not be able to relate to them in this in this moment because they're not single, but they've been an inspiration for me. Like, wow, their marriage is so healthy. Uh, he or she is healthy. Like, what have they done in their personal lives and their relational lives? And it gives me almost like a pathway of, wow, if I could implement certain, some of those things, maybe I might be able to one day have a healthy marriage and relationship. Dude, totally. So it's not that's not quite discipleship, mm-hmm. right, as you would define it or or boy Grant would define mm-hmm. it, right? Mm-hmm. That's not like life on life, but you would find yourself. So you were single till 25, mm-hmm. roughly. Mm-hmm. So would you say that was mo- one of the most important things for you is not just being around other single guys, but actually being around married men healthy relationship because you didn't really have mm-hmm. healthy Christian kingdom marriage mm-hmm, mm-hmm. until maybe you were discipled by Andrea's dad mm-hmm, and maybe other mm-hmm. couples. Like what is the importance of being around, just being around and observing healthy, godly marriage? Well, I think everyone needs like a picture or a vision or an image to as- to aspire to, right? So when you're around healthy couples, it gives you like an inspira- inspiration and a hope that one day maybe I could be healthy enough or maybe one day I could be godly enough and I could be sacrificial enough to love the way this this man does, mm-hmm. right? I mean, to be forward, I mean, just to be frank, um, I just, my, my dad and my mom are like, they're like in love, dude. Like they were to me the biggest inspiration. Like my dad loves my mom like crazy mm-hmm. and he will do anything for her and he, He's modeled that for me. Uh, for me, a lot of it even just came from books. I just read books on like the disciplines of a godly man. I read Tim Keller's book on the meaning of marriage. I read Gary Chapman. Like, I was reading those things up on my own too, right? So for me, it's just, I think exposure is, 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 is key. So just being around godly people, being around um, going to places where you learn from experts, those are all just wins. You know? So, but like from age 20 to 25, were you always like that ready and wanting to invest in yourself and even just read yeah. books like that? Like what I'll be even frank drove? With you, dude. I'll be frank with you. Um, I don't know if this is going to, I don't know if this is going to bless the audience or discourage the audience. <laughs> I, I really, again, again, different season in life. I was just focused on serving God, dude. Backstory, from the time I was in junior high until I got saved, I was in like so many relationships, 
Like I was in relationship after relationship after relationship after relationship. Mind you, I wasn't a Christian. I've right. had, I mean, full full disclosure. I've had two girlfriends at the same time. Like I'm a horrible man. Like I'm 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 just not a good. Person. It was just play. It was just player life. Yeah, it was just player life, right? Because I had no other framework. I just right. Just you just doing as you did. Yeah, grew up on the streets, did my own thing, know totally. my story. I just did my whatever. I get saved. And when I get saved, my sole kind of desire was to live a life that's honoring God. Not perfectly. Obviously, I'm still a sinner. I made mistakes. So my, my, my main priority was just trying to grow in godliness, learn the word of God, fulfill my purpose and my calling and my career and vocation as a leader, as a pastor, as a servant. I was a student. So I was studying hard. On the weekends, I was pastoring. So for me, it was just... I was just really going hard after God. I, I heard someone once say, I think this is kind of, you know, cliche, but they said the way you find a partner as a believer is you run as fast as you can towards God. And then you look to your right and your left and you see who's also running as fast as you are. Mm. And that should be more the perspective versus just always looking to find someone who, who can be there, who can, for me, that was more of me. I was just, I was just running after God. I was just running after God, doing what I can to be devoted to him. And I looked at my right, and I was on a mission trip with my then just friend, and we were co-leading this mission trip as college students. And I just looked, and I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I never saw a girl who loved God so much. I've never seen a girl who aspires to serve the Lord like this. And that was it for me. And so I just, I just went after her. And so for me, I think when you have biblical convictions and values to pursue the Lord, and those are your highest priorities, and you meet someone else that embodies those same values, that was when the attraction happened to me. Totally. And I was friends with my wife for two years before I ever liked her. So I met her when I was 16 on the mission field right after I got saved. Didn't, she didn't think nothing of me. I didn't think nothing of her. Mm -hmm. She even said she thought I was a player because I was talking to all her friends. You kind of were. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I, yeah. I, I was saved by then. So I was, right. I was, I was trying to save, <laughs> get that part off. But so again, like we weren't even attracted to each other. There was nothing about her. And then people who want to date the pastor's daughter, right? Right. But then we were serving God and I just saw like, like my, I realized my values and her values aligned with each other. I remember... You know, I pastor a lot of college students and young adults, and they used to say, like, hey, people, like, should I marry someone that has the same vision as me as life? And for me, at first, I thought maybe, but more so is, like, do you guys have the same values? Yeah. Because visions change. Like, people's dreams change. People's aspirations change. But when you could identify in your deepest values, that's when the bond happens. So for me and Andre, it was like we had this unspoken value, which is love God, want to serve God, we want to do missions, and obviously all the other stuff that come with Right, it. and we'll figure out the rest. But yeah. everything is born from that. Yes. But what I do love is, so we teach on the four buckets mm -hmm. of attraction. Physical is obviously the first one, mm -hmm. and we just say it's massively initial. Yeah. And whether you have it initially or not actually is not important because mm -hmm. you know we can talk about physical attraction too, but there's emotional, intellectual, and then the most important one which is spiritual attraction mm -hmm. which is it sounds like you would say is the number one thing that you were probably attracted to 
in that moment yeah. as you kind of looked over? Well, I think whatever you value the most would be the higher priority of attraction. Right. Right. And there's nothing, not to throw shade, there's nothing wrong with being physically attractive. I mean, Song of Solomon is attraction, Book of Ruth, attraction. The Bible says Rachel was fine, that's attraction. So there's nothing wrong with that. So different people have different preferences. But I think the higher your attraction, it probably is attached to a value that's the greatest that's in your heart right right yeah but and we talk about values that last mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. physical attraction is kind of the funniest one because mm-hmm. that one is guaranteed to 100 percent not really get better with age mm-hmm. and if we're talking about eternal friendship and relationship mm-hmm. right the one that is probably the most important with an eternal timeline mm-hmm. would be the eternal attribute of spiritual right attractiveness mm-hmm. or their intimacy with god mm-hmm. do you feel like your emotional intellectual physical attraction kind of maybe grew as you you know spiritually were just like really really aligned ignited and like you look over and see a girl who's running spiritually at the same pace as you Mm -hmm. yeah obviously those things grew over time this is just my story right my my wife then friend that i was pursuing Mm -hmm. at (laughs) what i'm married now but for the two and a half three years i pursued her it was like torture for me Cause I would tell her I like you, and she would just like smile at me, <laughs> and she'd be like, ha, ha. and then she used to always say, "I just wish we were older." I don't know if some of y'all are college students and you feel like you can't date right now because you're too young, but my wife was like that. I was, I'm ready to get married. I'm right, like, let's go. Right, yeah. and she was like, "Look, I don't want to marry a pastor." Number two, we're too young. So at a certain point, I just thought she was like asexual. <laughs> I because she she showed no physical. <laughs> Like, she didn't even throw me a bone. Yeah. Like, I was, like, trying to, like, and she wouldn't even hang out with me one-on-one ever. We hung out one time in the way beginning once, and that was enough for me to feel like... Oh, that I, was enough for her to call you a friend for three years. Yeah, bro. <laughs> so I remember at one point, I felt like, man, this girl doesn't show me any romantic, physical things that I need. And I remember telling myself over and over and over, this is over, forget her, I don't want to be with her. I remember one time... I was I went to go visit her in San Diego because she was in town. So and that was a Saturday night, and usually as a youth pastor, Saturday when I was sermon prepping, I said, you know what? I'm just gonna go. I'm gonna surprise her. We've been like talking for like two years, even though she, it was a one way thing. But I still felt like she was. I was winning her over. So I surprised her and show up in front of her door in San Diego without even telling her, thinking she oh. would at least go out to get yeah, coffee. Yeah, power play. She literally just, just said, I'm not going to go out. And her cousins were at her house, two female cousins, uh-huh. two girls, and they were like laughing at me. <laughs> I felt so embarrassed, dog. <laughs> and I remember she literally just said, like, I don't know what you're doing here. We can't hang out. So I get back in the car. Come on, brothers. I just drive home and I remember I was so mad and I even started praying prayers like, God, even if she is the one, I don't want to be with her. <laughs> Bro, that is yes, a tough I, look. Yes, I remember like... Did you say thank you for rejecting me? No, I didn't say thank you for the, I, I said I hate you for rejecting <laughs> me. <laughs> but my point is, I just remember for me, everyone's story is different, dude. Like, right. And we didn't talk for like three months because I was so butthurt. Yeah. But anytime I... I don't want to say I prayed, but... I just I just loved her, dude. I just I don't know what else to say. Like I'm not this I'm not people ask me like, yo, people, I heard your story. I'm just gonna keep going after this girl. I'm like, yo, that's a difference. There's a difference between like stalking someone, like chill out. Right. But for me, it was just like I just really wanted to be with her. I never heard an audible voice of God. I never I just was like there was something that started spiritually 
And as we were talking, there was also like this emotional connection. Yeah. And then obviously I found her physically attractive and I just, just kept just kept at it. I mean, dude, this is great. And and I love that you like to clarify, not just for, you know, the person who might hear this and be like, all right, like if it worked for him, it yeah. work for me. I just yeah. need to be patient and faithful. And just... I would say, though, I do think guys give up more now than they used to in the past. How so? I just feel like just because of a girl rejected you once or twice, it doesn't mean you should just let it go. I think if you really like let go of the idea of pursuing her. Yeah, because sometimes now it's like there's so many options to date. You could just meet another date, meet another date. But for me, it's like if you really find someone attractive and you really feel like this is a good person. Right. I think the price of going for it is the potential to be rejected. And I think feeling that rejection and pushing through that sometimes is actually the thing that wins that person over totally totally so look we say this like there's no substitute for a man choosing Mm -hmm. like you rarely ever hear the story of the girl liking the guy getting rejected and just kind of hanging around yeah being you know just solid yeah and he's like well i wasn't really attracted to her at first Mm -hmm. but i just saw her character and she just was still there and consistent Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. really want me like you just don't I'm not saying it's impossible. It's very uncommon. Right. But what is what we see time and time again is a man chooses. Mm-hmm. Right. And then obviously the female can reciprocate right away. Mm-hmm. Like we we hear stories all the time. The girl saw him. He saw her. Oh, so attractive. Oh, you're a Christian too. And then, you know, mm-hmm. that wasn't our story, Kate mm-hmm. and I either. Yeah, I know. But one thing that we totally just, <clears throat> you know, at this point, I think, are just not tired of, but like it's, it does get fatiguing is you hear great stories and that means that has to be your story yeah, as well. Right. Yeah, like yeah. stories are so, they, they are so unique yeah. when it comes to love and romance 100%. and marriage. There's 100%. really not one that is just like another. hundred percent. So what worked for you and was great. And I think there is truth in that consistency. Mm-hmm. And what we say is this, we actually go to song of Solomon as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Uh, do not stir up love until so desires. Yeah. Right. And that can be, you know, like physically, like, you know, mm-hmm. interpreted, like turn on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also think it has like spiritual merit. Mm-hmm. Like there is an idea of like, I do think that God can ignite your heart mm-hmm. for maybe one girl more so than, any other yeah as a man mm-hmm. i get really careful saying that though because we're so quick to jump mm-hmm. and with our flesh and our own thinking and logic of oh, this is the one mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. this is the one for sure right so then we kind of balance that out with and what we say is there's no such thing as the one yeah i agree with that the only one that exists is the one that you choose exactly right so god knows who you're gonna marry but he didn't make andrea for the sole purpose of being your wife, right? 100%. Like, and there's no such thing as soulmates. Yeah, I don't right? believe in that either. I know. I saw you break it down. Yeah, did it's I? Plato. Was it like years ago? I don't remember. It was last year or two years ago. Oh, was it? Right before you had Kate come speak. You gotta remember, dog. Yeah, <laughs> it's from Greek mythology. Uh-huh. And, oh yeah, uh, yeah, and Zeus yeah, splitting yeah. up and yeah, 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 yeah. Plato yeah, saying, yeah, 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 yeah. So yep. or twin flames. Have you yep. heard about twin flames? Yeah, I heard about twin flames. I watched that one's crazy, dude. The documentary is so crazy. I don't know why all these cults just have to have a guy who's like Jesus. Uh-huh. It's definitely like demonic in that sense. Yeah. Like it, ironically, half these cults always have a guy who's like a Jesus yeah, figure. For sure. But yeah. Yeah. Well, I think one thing, one angle that, because obviously I'm not single, so my angle's a little different. I could come at it as a married person. One thing that I've been thinking about, I heard this, I do a lot of premarital counseling. 
I forget where I heard this quote, but the quote goes, every every relationship will only be as healthy as the least healthy person. Okay. Right? Um, every relationship will only be as healthy as the least healthy person. Oh, okay. That's yeah. like the baseline. Yeah. So instead yes. of you thinking that the relationship dynamics, whoever's the healthiest, that right. will, it will actually come down. Totally. Right? Because brokenness and trauma and pain and sin actually brings the other person down to what you're experiencing. Yes. So one thing that I wish I've done more of and I'm still working on is my own personal journey of healing. Mm. I remember when I when I was single, I was talking to a mentor of mine, married guy, and I said, hey, what's the difference between when you're single and you're married? Something like that. I don't remember the exact question, but I remember his answer. He said, when you're single and you sin, you sin by yourself. But when you're married, everything doubles. So he said, when you have anger issues, when you're single, you could just close the door, punch yep. a hole in the wall, deal it with yourself. Totally. If you're depressed, you could just sleep in and do your own thing. But once you're married, your anger doubles. Yes. Your depression doubles. Yep. Your anxiety now affects your wife or your husband. So for me, I always think if I could go back in time, I would have spent more time getting healing integrating a holistic discipleship and formation so that I could have given a better version to my wife and to my children. Right. And all the issues that we have when you're alone, you just deal with it by yourself, you know? So I like to yes. encourage people like the greatest gift that you can offer your future partner is the healthiest version of yourself and going on that journey and, and going on that path now is going to be one of the number one ingredients to a flourishing marriage in the future. But so, Will, here's the thing, though, and I get goosebumps thinking about this. Imagine we had 22-year-old Will mm. listening to this, 25-year-old mm -mm. JJ. Mm -hmm. They say, that's great. And then they go about their day. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, what's it got to take for, I think, getting a single man mm -hmm. to invest in their mental, spiritual health specifically through therapy mm -hmm. and through discipleship, like life on life mm -hmm. uh, and inner healing is probably the biggest Achilles heel kryptonite for single Christian men. Mm -hmm. And I'm speaking from my own personal experience mm -hmm. and I'm speaking from the experience of being in Christian community with other single Christian guys. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that is? And like, how have you gotten through mm -hmm. to the single Christian men like even in within your own church. Mm -hmm. So you're saying, why do I think single Christian men have a hard time receiving that message? Of right. And like actually, you know, because I would call it a force function. Mm -hmm. I would say mm -hmm. marriage is a great force function yeah. to whether you like it or not, things are going to surface mm -hmm. like it's that mirror. And two, you're going to have someone in a great way all over you mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to go seek out healing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And and sometimes it's not always out of your own, it should be your own volition. Mm -hmm. And at the healthiest it is, you know, it can create resentment, right? For changing and mm -hmm. go to therapy because mm -hmm, mm -hmm, your wife is not like, let's just call it as your wife is nagging you mm -hmm. or bothering you or just consistently yeah. bringing it up. I don't think it's necessarily that the Christian man doesn't want healing. I don't also even think it's that they don't want integration. I think one is some, some ignorance to it. I don't think they may even realize um, there is spaces and access to develop that, right? Because most Christian people only hear like memorize this Bible verse or mm -hmm. 
do the Christian thing. And maybe more than that, they just need more access to understand there's a fuller theology. So for me, I've learned that the guys want it. They're hungry for it. They're okay. thirsting for it. And what they're looking for is a pastor or a ministry like Heart of Dating that actually has the resources, that has the practical tips with the theological foundation, with avenues to give them resources and platforms to get the healing that they need. Mm. So I actually think um, they want it. I actually think they need it. And I actually think it's when they get in exposure to sermon series or exposure to ministries. I mean, when you and Kate came to our church, there are people in my church that were freaking out. I had no idea they knew who you guys were. And my stock went up, bro. They were like, <laughs> you're friends with them? They were like, oh my gosh, is that, is that Kate and JJ? Heart of that? Yeah, because I think they want it. So I think as a pastor, what I did was give them exposure. Yeah. Like, hey, we're going to take a month to talk about singleness. We're going to take a month to talk about trauma. We're yeah. going to take a month to talk about relationships and coping mechanisms and mental health and how the Bible is a holistic Bible, the book of Psalms and Proverbs, all mental health. So I think more than anything, what worked for me was first, I had to give them exposure and then I had to model it yes. as a pastor. My wife and I had to model vulnerability, relational struggles, and then I have to pastor them through conflict. So oftentimes your conflict with your roommates and your conflict with your friends is preparation for your conflict with your spouse. Yeah. And if you don't know how to do conflict resolution or with your roommates, your friends, your coworkers, your boss, that might be the reason why you haven't found someone, a significant other to do that with. Because yeah. everything is preparation and training for what's to come. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, 100%. We say uh, marriage is just friendship on fire. Mm. But if you're not doing true friendship well in singleness, you're not going to magically do it well 100%. in marriage. 100%. But part of that is being able to be vulnerable, mm -hmm. to be honest with one another, to be able to receive feedback, mm -hmm. to have the space where you can say, hey, Will, I love you. Uh, one thing we say is it's easy to be honest about something. Mm -hmm. It's hard to be honest with each other, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like it's very easy for me to complain to you about something somebody did to mm -hmm, me mm -hmm. it's very hard for me to look you in the eyes and say hey will i love you and because i love you there's something i would love to talk to you about mm -hmm, mm -hmm. about you know your character or what i've seen or the word the language yeah, 100%. how you treated this girl 100%. right so um and then you talk a lot about kind of showing like don't just talk about it be about mm -hmm, it mm -hmm. so you feel like that comes through doing like life monday through saturday with your congregation with your community and showing them like i i love that idea of uh you know we call it like finding like a godly king and queen couple mm -hmm. like a couple that you really admire because mm -hmm. i can remember being around that um godly king and queen and seeing them do conflict for the first time mm -hmm. and seeing him he raised his voice i'm um, the guy i'm thinking of he he raised his voice like slightly aggressively mm -hmm. and they duked it out and he came back five minutes later mm -hmm. in front of everyone, mm -hmm. not to show off, but literally, hey, babe, I raised my voice and got aggressive with yeah. you. I'm so sorry. 100%. Bro, my wife and I work together. Right. We have a staff meeting together. Yeah. Like We lead these meetings and there's moments and you will know when you work with your partner, like you fight. Yeah. You get frustrated. And sometimes like our staff, we're having this moment where you could just tell it was kind of tense. Yes. And like we don't even realize or my wife realizes, I don't even realize that it's getting like that. And I have to pause and our staff like, kind of like, <laughs> what just happened? Like, we just went to a staff meeting to like watching your guys' <laughs> private conversation. And we have to be like, hey guys, we're so sorry. 
uh, we're still figuring out how a husband Clearly. and wife works together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if that made you guys feel uncomfortable, like let us know. I mean, it's it's life, life on life yes. together, dude. And my wife and I, we yeah, we we I, I'm all about leading from weakness, leading in vulnerability, mm. leading with transparency, leading with authenticity. I was just talking about this recently. Right. I think as leaders or as just people, the temptation is to be special, right? But the invitation is to be normal, is to be weak. And when it's when we're vulnerable and when we're weak, that people can connect to us, that people can relate to us. Right. Right. So for me it's yeah, it's all about just being honest, dude. I saw that clip by the way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just be normal. Just be normal, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just be normal. Like even like when I see like these wedding like marriage gurus and they look perfect. And all they talk about is like our marriage is this. And I'm just like, dude, they're lying. Right. Like, just don't even just turn it off. Yeah. <laughs> like, I will listen to a couple that starts off with, "Hey, we got into a fight like yesterday." I'm okay. Yeah. I I I, I was I could respect that. Right. About the dumb about the dumbest thing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So no, but I ours are on Zoom and we have those moments. Mm-hmm. And I I would tell you if we pulled up our employees from Heart of Dating right now mm-hmm. on this podcast and asked them what they probably love most about working at Heart of Dating, it would, they would probably say one of their favorite things is seeing Kate and I work through disagreements mm-hmm. and conflicts or different ideas in front of them mm-hmm. in a healthy way. 100%. And, and we do the same thing when that Zoom camera is off, right? As much as possible. Health, and I think it's impossible to do without safe space. Mm-hmm. 100%. I would say I think men have to be shown what it's what it looks like to be emotionally healthy, mm-hmm. and they have to experience safe space. Absolutely. And you know we t- and I love how you corrected that assumption of like why are men not doing it? Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. they want it. Mm-hmm. And the second a single man experiences safe space 100%. and vulnerability, 100%. he's gonna want it. Yeah. He's gonna want it. Yeah. Uh, do you feel like you had that as a single man with your brothers in the yeah. church or was that something that you kind of had to work, grow, challenge yourself into? No, I had that, dude. I was fortunate enough that I just spontaneously with four of the guy friends, we were all at Biola and Talbot. We met every week for seven years. Wow. Yeah, we met every week, even after I got married for a couple more years until I ended up moving overseas for a period of my life with my wife. We met every week for about two hours for seven years. And we started every week by going around and sharing confessing sins, confessing any problems that guys typically struggle with, shared prayer requests. And we would, we would share for about an hour, and then we would pray for each other for about almost like 30 or 45 minutes. And I did that every single week for seven years and those guys were my groomsmen and I, and I still talk to them all the time would you be the the man you are today without that no no ab- no way would dude. you say that would probably be the number one? Oh my gosh that that was my safe space that was when i wasn't a pastor yeah that was when i wasn't a leader that was when i wasn't the societal pressure of what it means to be a godly man right i was will who was insecure who was still struggling who was still questioning who was still doubting who was preaching on the weekends, but still doubting my own success and my own faith. So in that space, I would say, hey guys, I'm angry about this. Or hey guys, I watched this. Or hey guys, I'm struggling with this. And we would pray for each other. Seven years, dude, every week. How, okay, so here's last question. Mm -hmm. 
Have you read Emotionally Healthy Spirituality? Of course, I've read all those. So good, all of them. All of them, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Literally, I'm not joking though. (laughs) I mean, I believe it. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, Um, yeah. The iceberg, Mm -hmm. the top twenty percent, which is kind of what we get in that you know weekly group. Yeah. Where I wouldn't even call them friends because you've seen them because you have to see them and Mm -hmm. you guys don't see each other outside of community group, right? Mm -hmm. Um, How long did it take for you guys to kind of break through that twenty percent surface level and and develop that? It takes a few. It takes at least a year or two, man, for you to just yeah feel like you can actually like. I feel like the level of vulnerability is dependent on how safe you feel, mm-hmm. right? So you could you could try to be vulnerable, but until you actually feel like, hey, I'm not gonna be thrown away. Yeah, I'm not gonna be judged. I'm not gonna be whatever, right? Yeah. Then once that and that takes time. Sometimes it does, yeah. Yeah, and the, another thing is, uh, of those four guys, two of them are my roommates for like four years yeah so we did it all together everything everything together and i, I mean i guess i'm in one regard someone may be listening to this and say oh you're fortunate enough to have done that right but the, i mean fortunate enough to have experienced that but on this on the other side we created that like, yeah i went out the way and said hey boys i've been thinking i need i need accountability right would you guys be down to meet every week because relationships and friendships yeah by na- think about this by nature by flesh drift yeah 100 percent that's why having that takes one word intentionality yeah yeah absolutely so that yeah dude that 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 is still my lifeline i'm we're in a chat i'm still mess that chat is still where i go to where i'm like yo my wife and i going through this or hey man church going through this and we got you dog so would you say like last piece of advice for any single guy listening would be find safe space with other men hundred thousand percent i think without that it will be hard to do the deep inner work. Yeah. 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 Amen. Well, Will, thank you so much, bro. Yeah, man. We, I don't know if we asked a single question that was on the notes. <laughs> but <laughs> hope you guys, I mean, that was amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, before I let you go, I just want to say I actually respect and admire you so much. Thanks, uh, from the second I've met you, you've only led with that authentic, I wouldn't say normal, uh, it's actually pre- presentation of my weak self mm-hmm. and which magnifies Christ in your life all the more. Mm-hmm. And you had a clip the other day and you're just like, man, before I get up and speak, if I don't leave with love, mm-hmm. I don't want to lead. Mm-hmm. And so I just want to like say, I totally respect and affirm and see Christ's love through you. Mm-hmm. And that's probably the greatest compliment I could ever give oh, thanks, another bro. guy. So, Oof. yeah. Thanks, bro. I, appreciate I love it. you, bro. Love you too. Bro. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me on, dude. Amen. Let's go. Let's go.